We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, Lakers get their first win of the season with a furious fourth quarter comeback against Phoenix. The first three quarters were pretty rough for the Lakers. And uh, what was happening on the court really depended on whether or not Kevin Durant was on the floor. If he was on it, the Suns were kicking the Lakers' butts, and if he was not, it was the opposite. And that led to a 12-point deficit going into the fourth quarter. And then by the fourth quarter, the Lakers started to spam their natural advantages in this game. Uh, LeBron and AD played the entire fourth quarter, and it was everything was around the rim. Um, and I'm not sure what Phoenix can do to stop that. That's not something that Devin Booker or Bradley Beal would change to any degree. Uh, obviously, the offensive end would be a, a, would be better. Um, but Lakers really make an effort to get out and transition AD, burying guys under the rim uh, who, who can't guard him. And Lakers force 10 turnovers in the fourth quarter, holding Phoenix to just 11 points, I think four of which were concession layups at the end. So really a dominant defensive effort of which Christian Wood was a big player in that and we'll talk about him a little bit later but the there's sometimes two competing interests early in a season where a team and coaching staff is trying to kind of implement the things especially when you change an offense and you are you know have new personnel you're trying to implement things for kind of a broader longer term type of good and then that can bump up against like oh the team we need to beat tonight And it felt like the first three quarters were kind of a, hey, we're going to do the stuff that we're trying to do in a general sense. And then the fourth quarter was like, all right, we don't want to go 0-2. We're going to just spam the stuff that that works. And it led to a Lakers victory. Uh, So what did you see from last night's game? Saw a lot of what you saw, honestly. Besides LeBron and AD playing the full fourth quarter, Kristen Wood played the full fourth quarter. And so I know that we'll get Mm -hmm. to him soon. But that sort of playing to your advantages and playing to your size and what Wood was good at. Um, Within the context of those lineups, I think is something to sort of tuck away in the back pocket of the team Mm -hmm. and whether or not that changes that broader view approach that we're talking about um, and what the goals are in both the immediate and long term. 
This game against the Suns was one of the more annoying Lakers games I can recall in like quite some time. So obviously the second half of last season or after the trade deadline and into the playoffs, there were some frustrating games and there were some moments where I wish the team was playing better. But for the most part, that was a progressively increasingly fun ride upwards. The trajectory mm-hmm. of the team was always almost almost always going in the same direction, right? And um, they fought through a bunch and and, uh, and showed a bunch of resiliency, right? This game, I thought, man, they are just doing so many things poorly. And it's the type of stuff that really irks me in terms of the things that they were doing poorly. The possession that stood out to me most was the offensive rebound that Rui gave up to Akogi, Mm -hmm. where the shot went up and Rui actually looked back and saw where Akogi was. Like he spotted him because he knew this guy is going to crash, right? He knew what his response was. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. Yes. And so Rui turned, turned back. Like if you freeze frame it, you'll see him stop and like be like, there he is. He's not coming yet. I'm going to go and chase this ball. And Rui got two hands on it and pivoted right into the guy, right into Akogi, who did crash. And Akogi just ripped the ball away from him. The ball ended up back out on the perimeter and Phoenix got a three pointer. And it was like that stuff over and over and over again. I was also pretty frustrated with the coverages that the Lakers were throwing at Durant. Like one of the Mm -hmm. reasons why the Suns looked so great when Durant was on the floor was that he basically walked into jumpers or just shot over the top of individual defenders. There's maybe only one defender on the entire team, like AD, who could really bother that shot consistently. Wood did a good job later, but Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, like, go defend Kevin Durant on an island, crowd him, and then show him a second defender early. But that's like the type of defense you play against a driver. It's not sure. the type of defense right. you play against a jump the greatest, shooter. The greatest over-the-top jump shooter of all time, probably, right? Like, in terms of, I can just go over you. There's only a couple of guys in the conversation with KD. Yeah, so KD sees that second layer of defense and he's just like, oh, you're playing me to drive? Right. Okay, I'm just going to shoot over the top. And he was making jumper after jumper after jumper. And so, Mike, I was quite irritated with the way that the game was going. And then I was invigorated in the fourth quarter by how LeBron and AD basically just took it up a level and said, we're not losing this game. LeBron did it late, but I thought AD did it over the course of the entire period, both offensively and defensively. And it was just like, okay, this is what you can do. And so it's like a disappointing, exciting, like thrilling, not feeling as good as you should, but still feeling pretty good about a win. It's like a bunch of conflicting feelings for me about the game, but great to get the win for sure. To start on where you finished there with AD in the fourth quarter, you know, he was minus 10 going into the fourth quarter, and you just don't see that very often, especially after he was, I think, a minus 17 in the opener. And it wasn't like he was playing poorly, but he just, it wasn't the personnel groupings. And essentially, once the starters sat, the, they that group has been largely bad, um, oh, whatever yeah. that second unit has. And AD has been a part of that, and there are reasons why, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it, but... To kind of to now bring in where Pete was going in in the f- opening part of this, it's like right now the Lakers are kind of between two different things. And one yep. is here, not just with the five out and the four out. That's one part. 
Um, and, and Pete, I want you to get into that because you were describing that pretty well yesterday to us. It's also just the here's what we know works. And that's yeah. part of what you talked about, the spamming late, like LeBron, AD, Austin, who has not been as big a part as these two games as I think you would like and, and where he will eventually get to. And just here are the things that worked last year in high leverage games. And then, well, how do we mix in Gabe Vincent? How do we mix in this version of Rui Hachimura? Um, how much of it, how much of D'Lo versus Austin versus uh, Reddish uh, off the bench? Like where, what lineups is Christian Wood going to play in? And, and they, Christian Wood was the surprise to me in how well that worked with the big group. I thought that was in part due to kind of Phoenix's personnel and lack of pop um, on the perimeter where the Lakers just big boyed him and were able to dominate and Phoenix couldn't get him back um, by like making LeBron guard in the perimeter or whatever that was. But just these that was the dissonance kind of being in the building with a great crowd, by the way, like a crowd who was ready and excited for the season. And then the team who was like not quite ready yet and didn't play real preseason games and you know, Phoenix was all business in the first half. That was the re- the, the offensive rebounds, all that stuff. But th- but Pete, that's kind of what the the feeling was for me of just this team is has has an identity, but isn't where they want to be identity wise. And then we're going back and forth between the two while trying to figure out what they're doing on offense. So it was uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, and uh, the bottom line is they got to win. They had to uh-huh. get. Um, and that that's great, but the way that it was gotten was uh, was a little bit all over the place. Very much so. I and again, I was talking about this a couple pods ago, but we we've been in fight or flight mode for so long that every game has individually up until this point with this group has felt like life or death. And then you start the next season with Denver Phoenix to start out where where it's. It's easy. Of course, you want to get the win. The Lakers did, right? Like they they knew what they needed to do in order to beat Phoenix while, again, trying to implement kind of this broader vision. And long term, the idea is for that to pay off and to have certain things like, oh, Christian Wood, when you need a little bit more length on the floor, right? Like the, the Wood-KD matchup. Let's focus on that for a moment because this speaks to what you were talking about earlier, D, is in the preseason game where we played Phoenix in that last preseason game that was a supposed dress rehearsal, we busted out some strong side zone against KD. And that was something, again, and they didn't have Booker or Beal in that game either. And that really confused Phoenix. I think they had four points in the first six minutes of the game or so in that preseason game, and they just weren't getting good looks. And that's part of why you don't play cards like that in the preseason, because when we tried to do it this time, he was very much ready for that. And when it's guys like Prince and Reddish, that over-the-top shot is available. One of the things about a strong side zone, what what that means is that the ball is on one side of the court or the other. And usually on a on a wing, so like a KD type, and there's the guy defending the ball handler and then there's a guy behind him who's not guarding anybody. That's the zone part of it especially. The weak side is zoned up too, but he there's another guy by the rim and this is what Darius was talking about with like, "Oh, you're playing me to drive." This is a coverage that Boston ran against Kobe in the finals all the time. And one of, one of the things that does is it allows the player who's defending the ball handler to crowd him because he didn't have to worry about getting beat off the dribble because he has a guy behind him to be able to help on that. And strong side zones are either beat by the skip pass or if you've got that shorter type of defender, then you can just shoot over the top. And that's exactly what KD was doing. Christian Wood in that fourth quarter did a fantastic job on KD, Darius, in 
using both his length and mobility in that like Wood has a similar wingspan to Kevin Durant, right? It's he has less of that natural advantage to just like, oh, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, I don't even see you, you know, and being able to he forced a turnover as well uh where he's playing ball denial on kd off of the ball showing off some mobility and nurkic like nurkic thought he was gonna back cut and kd actually was coming up around the three-point line and they miscommunicated and then i thought his rebounding was super important darius like ad was was the central figure in the game defensively and i don't want to skim that over and that he had a ton of possessions on kd as well and when we've deployed him onto the perimeter defensively in the past, we can't rebound worth a damn. And guys like Josh Okogie kick our butts, right? And Wood got so many contested rebounds in traffic, which is something we've seen talked about in the preseason as well. Of like, he really high points rebounds and has good length and competes for those, gets contested boards. And so I thought that against a Phoenix team I, that is especially a Kevin Durant who's such a threat in that respect being able to address that while also being able to rebound I was super excited about what that could look like so talk to me a bit about what you saw from Christian Wood D. so 10 rebounds right uh eight of them defensive rebounds six of those in the fourth quarter so to speak to your point Wood Wood was critical in how the Lakers were able to wrangle the game and pull it towards them in the decisive fourth quarter. So let's go to break here. And when we come back, I do want to hit Wood and just his integration into both sides of the ball, actually. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I had mentioned to you last night when we were talking post-game that there is no playing favorites when it comes to who's going to play next to LeBron and AD in the fourth quarter of a close game. And I think it's especially true when you're talking about who the forward is going to be. I thought Rui last season really showed that he was willing to do a lot of the dirty work stuff. He was willing to defend. He was willing to rebound. He would like a lot of like late game possessions. It was like, remember that block Rui got against New York on the like, right where he's mm-hmm. like coming from the weak side the weak and side, getting yeah. like a block. I, I think it was against Brunson. Um, they thought it was going to be a goaltend, but it was actually clean. Like those are the plays that it's just like, look, if you're going to defend and you're going to rebound, that's what you got to do when you're going to be the other quote unquote forward next to LeBron. Yeah, and Christian AD. Wood didn't shoot the ball well. He was two for seven. One was a rim run dunk. So it's not like he was great on offense, but you can still contribute. Yeah. And so, Mike, there's no playing favorites there. The guy who's going to defend and rebound, that's the guy who I want next to LeBron and AD late in the game. And that was Wood. There was a possession on KD, and D'Lo assisted with this, so I don't want to give all of the credit to Wood. But Wood got isolated up on KD, up on the left sort of shoulder area of the three-point line. And KD got... Woods hip shifting a little bit like he attacked his front foot and then pulled the crossover back and just had Wood a little bit off balance. KD then saw my opening is baseline. So I'm going to drive baseline and he ripped hard to go to to his left hand. D'Lo's man was Grayson Allen and Allen had cleared all the way to the other side. But D'Lo stayed and offered that strong side zone look. So as KD is going baseline, D'Lo's senses light up and he's like okay here's here's my help opportunity but wood was sliding with durant that entire time and so delo came in late to help contest but by that point kd was not impacted by delo he was impacted by wood, by wood. and he had faded very far out of bounds almost to try to That's get right. his jumper off over wood and he couldn't get the jumper off cleanly really and it hit the side of the backboard and the Lakers clear clear the rebound. And that possession to me, Mike, was symbolic of Wood, of leveraging what Wood does well defensively. Wood was not a deterrent at the basket as a help side defender. He was not like doing a lot of like, oh, I'm going to contest this shot. But on an island against guys, he was hold, holding up. And there's no other guy on an island that the Lakers needed to hold up against than, than Kevin Durant. And the fact that Wood was able to do it, I thought was a great signal for his ability to find a role on this team, even when his shot isn't falling. Because like Pete said, he was two for seven. And one of those was a dunk when he ran hard off of a great LeBron lead pass for for a dunk. So basically one for six on all other shots. Pete, jump in here on Wood and kind of where why you like the fit, where you think this could move 
this could get to moving forward because then I want to take us in a little bit of a different direction uh, in talking about the roster. Uh, so, but I want to hear your, your wood takes first. Yeah. Just, just last thoughts on, on wood is I think that, you know, one of the things that stood out in the press conference between Robin Darwin to start off this season was uh, Jovan from the athletic asked him a question that was in the lead up to the question. He was like, and you probably don't want LeBron to be chasing threes around. And Darwin pushed back a little bit on that idea in the answer. And from watching LeBron and thinking about like the goals that we have of in not having him having to you know have monster fourth quarters and have this massive lift throughout the regular season it's easier to I don't want to say chill on the perimeter but it's less damaging to do it there than one of the things that Denver was doing and we didn't really get into this in the Denver game is Gordon kept attacking him and they just kept attacking his help defense cuz he was the guy that was under the basket and so if LeBron gets to be on the perimeter a little bit more um, without really damaging the spacing, which is something that Wood helps with, even if he doesn't have a great shooting night. He's a he's a threat in that respect. Um, I think that that's a really interesting look for this Lakers team. It won't work against everyone. And it's funny, uh, a team like Sacramento, who we have coming up next, they have a uh, they really challenge your team's speed, which is something we've lost a little bit with Dennis leaving, with Lonnie leaving, and. That is the type of team that Wood can be a little vulnerable against. So I'm curious to see how he plays in that particular game. But I do think that it like Wood in the right situation, just like really all role players, Mike, is that you put him in the right spot and he can really help this team. And so I was just super encouraged to see like little flashes. And we've seen that from the AD Wood combo in particular of like, hey, these guys can help each other out. And then here's so here's where I want to go with it. So if Wood is showing this type of ability to fill in gaps that weren't necessarily expected by people who just thought, yeah, Christian Wood, he's an all offense guy. You know, he comes in, he wants to get a shot up. He can cook, he can space the floor, but he showed some rebounding. He showed defense, which again is, I don't remember the last time there was a narrative about Christian Wood, especially on a star and having an impact. So, okay. He's willing to kind of figure out ways to get on the court. Well, what happens then Rui Hachimura plays 13 minutes. You know, um, Austin Reeves, in this case, plays 27 minutes, only gets seven field goal attempts up. Torian Prince plays 18 minutes, misses all five of his shots. Um, D'Angelo Russell doesn't play crunch time after playing a bunch. And so when you have somebody and let me enter Gabe Vincent into this, who played 35 minutes, which was actually he played the second most minutes, a second more than LeBron James. And he really struggled offensively in the first half, but kind of found his footing defensively. Um, and I, I mm-hmm. thought was really good on Phoenix's guards and just battling and loose balls and kind of making stuff happen, which is what aside from the tough shots that he hits, we saw that in the finals, but he does that stuff. So this is where the team has so much figuring out to do and which guys who expected to be doing certain things are going to have to either change it up a little bit or be comfortable not doing it. And it's really everybody except for LeBron and AD. And I just thought that it fits so easily and naturally at the trade deadline last year relative to what they had before it. So that everything and this is why I thought a lot of those games were very I was going to say enjoyable, but the way Darius was describing it, it just kind of it clearly was going in this upward trajectory um, and they were winning games. And most of the, the guys that came in had a clear role that didn't shift too much, although here and there. And that to me is what I was just thinking about in the context of Wood playing and some of these other guys not. So uh, maybe we take another break here and then uh, let's let's kind of hang on this topic for a minute. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The interesting thing, so I was just looking at some plus minus numbers in relation to Wood and when he's on the court with AD, the Lakers are a plus 16 in 26 minutes. When he's on the court with LeBron, the Lakers are a plus 41 in 28 minutes. I'm trying to sort through. Is this through. net rating? No, this is a uh, total. Raw? This Wait, is we're raw. Plus 41 in 28 minutes? The Lakers are, look, I'm, I'm at NBA.com stats right now. LeBron James, Christian Wood, 28 minutes together. The Lakers have scored 77 points plus minus of 41. Holy crap. Yeah. And so this is interesting to me because a lot of that's going to come from last night, right? So they were plus 17 last night, but just in the fourth quarter, they were plus 17, right? And so that's already, this is why early, early season numbers are like weird because when you look at certain stats, you're like, oh, they have a net rating of plus 80. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, guess what? Well, it's just like. Durant was sitting. Phoenix had their other two best players out. They had nobody in the court and the Lakers were desperately trying to get into a 12 point deficit. So it's like, I I don't put a lot of value in it. No, Mike. Also, too, this is the same thing against Denver, where the LeBron and Wood units were bench units and they were playing in parts of the game against Denver's bench, which isn't the strongest bench either. But what I'm looking for And this goes back to the broader idea of like roster construction and who plays when and what groups play play together is. And this bridges to the idea that you or to the point that you made earlier, Pete, about spamming your strengths against a certain opponent. The Lakers are a deep and versatile roster. They have a fair amount of size. Right. And this is with Vando not playing at all yet. And Vando's Mm -hmm. another big dude. Right. Especially for his position. Yeah. And so one of the things that I'm interested in is carving out points of the game where the Lakers could strategically be deploying size. Against bench units that don't often play a lot of size. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is where like, oh, suddenly you're playing against a bench unit. And wait, LeBron, AD, and Christian Wood are all on the floor against a bench unit? The head coach is going to be looking down his bench pretty quickly and being like, wait, I need to get a starter. That could get out of hand real quick, yep. Which is what happened. So Mm -hmm. AD was attacking Nurkic, and Nurkic got fouls, right? And so in the fourth quarter, Nurkic picked up a foul, and I think he picked up his fifth foul. 
Vogel pulled him to the bench. Literally a possession later or two possessions later, AD got into the paint and he buried Eric, Eric Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Because they went small. They didn't put Eubanks in the game for Nurkic. They went small. They went small and they put KD at center, right? And the Lakers sort of fell into the trap the first possession and LeBron ended up shooting a corner three against a contest against Gordon. And it's just like, wait, they've got KD on Anthony Davis. Like, why is this the action that the team team is running? Well, a possession later, it's AD in the post burying Eric Gordon and he gets a jump hook for an and one and Vogel's looking right down to the bench and being like, wait, they, I was hoping I'm sure in Frank's mind, he's just like, wait, I was hoping when we put Kevin Durant at center, they might have taken Christian Wood off the floor. Instead, they're just like, hey, Wood, Mm. go guard a Kogi now. And they put AD on Kevin Durant. And so with that roster construction idea, I like I just kick it back to you guys here, because to me, you know how early on in any season, it's just like the offense is ahead of the defense. Mm-hmm. And it's like the NFL, well, the offense looks better than defense right now, or defense is is ahead of the offense. Within the Lakers roster, the forwards and bigs look ahead of the guards to me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they look like they understand what they're doing a little bit more than what the guards do within the context of, of everything else. I can Rui see that. is sort of on the outside for of this looking sure. in. Ru- Rui is like like right now he is, you know, the, those gifts of like the, the lady with the math like circling around <laughs> yes, her yes. mind. Like it's like that. He's trying to figure out a new language basically right now. This is a new style of basketball. And we'll, we've talked a lot of about five out and I thought we might get to it a little bit today, but I think it'll be more the next time we record. But yeah, Rui is a little bit lost in the sauce right now. And that's okay. You know, like it's, and we know what works with Rui as well, right? In terms of style of play. Now, now getting from where we are now to getting him up to speed, that's going to take a little bit of time, but I just want to encourage a little bit of like grace around Rui is that there's some figuring out to do. 100%. And so I just kicked that idea to, to you guys though, is like within the context of the roster and winning portions of the game, I feel like the Lakers are still searching in those stretches at like at the end of the first quarter and at the end of the third quarter. So how do you bridge the gap right now? Or are you even trying to bridge the gap or are these just the growing pains? The main thing that I see that I'm complaining to you guys in the text thread during the game is our degree of overpenetration. And it's we have a very attack the basket downhill mentality, which is conducive to four out, whereas five out style basketball is like you can run ball screens. And that was a change that we made from the first half to the second half. In yesterday's pod, I was like, hey, zero in on what happens right after LeBron gets subbed out with the starters. And the game was 14 to 13. We were down by one when LeBron checked out and it quickly became 26 to 16 in favor of Phoenix in that first quarter. And a lot of it was, again, us kind of running offense through the top of the key through AD. In the second half, in the back part of that third quarter, it was actually the LeBron group that was bad. LeBron comes in later in that quarter. But the AD group, they actually changed what they were trying on that to, you can run ball screens uh, out of five out, but you have to run intentional action to create the space because the court is 50 feet wide. And if you've got four people on the perimeter and you want them to be equally spaced, that's four people per 50 feet wide. That's 12 and a half feet, right? Per 
the distance between the people if you want them to be equidistant on the perimeter. If it's five people, that's only 10 feet. And so what happens is on your ball screens and on your driving lanes, the help defenders are closer together. And so you're running into a lot more bodies as a result of that. And so, Mike, I see a team that is really trying to get downhill over and over again, like last year. But that's not what this style is really conducive to. We've played two games, haven't taken 33, haven't taken 33s in either game. We only made five of them, right? We shot 18 percent yesterday. And so it's we're like kind of making things harder on ourselves being caught between two styles right now. And that to me is where I see the, a lot of that dissonance that we talk about of and things that that can be resolved. And part of that is putting them in more positions to run more ball screens, but there also Mm -hmm. has to be the like, use the five out system the way that it's supposed to be, which is to have more of that perimeter gravity that complements the hammer that LeBron and AD can be. And I think it's harder to do that in part with how little the team is practicing uh, relative to how things they used to. Like, they're not practicing today. That's right. Okay. That's right. And then These games tomorrow, are basically the practices, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, tomorrow team will leave for Sacramento and they'll play a team that has continuity of style. And so that's not something that the Kings yep. are going to have to figure out. They're going to play in that way. They're kind of like the Nuggets, uh, at least in terms of their offense. Now, the Kings suck on defense. And so I think that's it's going to be one of those. Okay, should (laughs) here's the Lakers know what the Lakers know what's what can work and they know what's going to work. But what I don't want to see is spamming LeBron. Hey, just go figure this out. Go get to the rim a million times. And then when there are other players that sort of need to increase their load and their usage and can do so. And what is that balance? And it's not easy. Like if the three, if we just had an exercise right now and we paused the, we paused the recording of the pod and came back and said, here, give me the usage percentage that you want to see for each player and how many shots you want them to take in Sacramento. I guarantee it would be different and it wouldn't all be a right answer or a wrong answer. There are sure. like six different versions. And then Pete, within that structure, how much of it is in five out? How much of it is in four out? How much mm-hmm. of it is screen roll? It's just not known right now. And it's almost yeah. harder that the Lakers have so many good options that they can go to. I just want to speak up for one specific one um, that I want to see, and it's more Austin. It's like that is something that worked so many times at the highest levels of basketball in the Western Conference Finals. And I, I feel like because Austin is willing to step his game aside and try to figure out other things and be a little bit more connected, um, then and it's just happening when there are some other players that aren't going to do that as much. And he also could play better. So it's it's not yeah, just that. I, it's not like just, mm-hmm. oh, poor Austin, what's going on? But I just, I didn't see things um, filter towards him. And that, so that's just, I want to put that one out there. I would like to sure. see more Austin against Sacramento specifically. Um, and I think there are sets that can make that work. Things are interesting for Austin because the screen roll stuff that we're talking about, that's just not um, about like, finding ways to get LeBron and AD downhill a little bit more and into the gaps out of a four out system. It's also about like, what do the guards do well? Right. And Austin is, he's a guy I think who needs to play pick and roll basketball. He is not this Uber elite athlete. He has some craft off of the dribble and he can create in, in isolation, but Austin's a deceptive player, right? He's like David Blaine, out there Mm -hmm. it's just like oh you think i'm going left i'm actually going right like he is very good at reading the micro movements of a defensive Mm -hmm. player and so one of austin's 
best um, moves, quote unquote, is where he starts to lean. He starts to see his defender lean in a direction of where the pick is. And then he goes behind his back really quickly yeah. and shifts his shifts all his momentum in order to go baseline instead. And he racks baseline a lot yeah. against middle ball screens. And he's then using the glass and finishing at the basket. And there's a lot of like using the tank like the tango of the pick and roll is an extended part of Austin's offensive arsenal for isolation basketball and mm -hmm. in more pick and roll stuff Pete handoffs don't allow the same sort of improvisation in the same way that a pick and roll does when he's working off of a live dribble like mm -hmm. he is taking the ball off of a handoff and he's flowing in to something which I think is much better for like movement shooters potentially or like where it's like oh I came off this and the my defender is already trailing because I came off of a downs like mm -hmm. I came off of a pin down so they're already in a trail position now I'm coming off of a handoff I'm trailing even more and if the big isn't there the movement shooters like this is easy money for me it's 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 fish in a barrel and I think Austin could use a little bit more pick and roll action. Now, that can come out of five out stuff as well. Like being a second side player, when the ball comes through and plays through the top a second time, the dribble pitch can turn into a pick and roll mm -hmm. on the weak side. But that's where I feel like Austin is, that's where I think he needs to get more, like, more chances. Because honestly, Pete, teams are attacking him on the other side of the floor and he's not getting enough opportunity in order to make it up offensively. And so it's one of the reasons why his plus minuses are bad. It's because his, the lineups that he's a part of are bleeding points and they're mm -hmm. not scoring enough. And finding yeah. that synergy with the lineups is something that we've been talking about um, offline a fair amount about like, what are the groupings now, particularly his guard partner that needs to work best for him in some of these groups that, that he's playing in when it's the bench lineups. So with respect to Austin in pick and rolls, I I actually disagree with you guys in that I think that he represents that the potential movement shooter, as does Debo, in that we are not tapping into that style of play. So what's what happens, the he's rejecting a lot of those screens, like you said, and going baseline. And part of that is part of five out offense in terms of that's where the gap is. Uh if especially if you get a step up screen from from that corner guy. But when he's going middle, one of the things that you'll see is there's a lot more congestion right around the free throw line when he runs that ball screen. And what's happening is the regular pick and roll coverage. And so normally the big guy on the defense is going to be right around the free throw line. Um then the guard is going to be fighting over the top and then one pass away is digging. And what that is, is that say that Austin is standing next to who would he be next to? Gabe Vincent, right? So Austin is coming middle. The next guy over is Gabe Vincent. G Vincent's guy is going to help a little bit more into that gap that Austin was so great at exploiting last year. Um, and he's close enough to Vincent to be able to get back in decent time because of the five out spacing, just the players are closer to each other. And, as 
Part of that, too, you're seeing more deflections on the ball with our guards. This isn't just Austin, but Austin is one of them, where guys are like just getting their hands on a, a pass, you know, and and we're missing some reads out to the perimeter, too. That's why I keep talking about like all of our our vision is going forward toward the basket. And uh, and so in those situations, to me, Austin's a good movement shooter, and he's a guy that can operate off of those handoffs in a pass cut replace type of way. He's such a smart player. He's a good screener. He understands when to cut versus when to pop out behind the three-point line. He makes a lot of good decisions, but when we have our entire team just kind of like forward charge toward the basket, even Delo's doing this a ton as well, you don't really get the advantages of that. And so that's part of the reason I think that group is struggling a bit is because he actually is getting the ball in those groups. That's part of the, the purpose of it. It's AD and Austin. Those are the main guys in that unit. And so I think that we can always go to like a different sort of spacing that maximizes that for Austin. But I think the best version of this team has that. And we know we have that in our back pocket, but is also able to run five out style basketball. How you watch the perimeter players on Denver play, how you watch them on Golden State, on Miami. And Austin has that in his bag, Mike. That's not something that they that he only has to do, but the ability to access that and go to the pick and roll play to me is the best version of him on offense. I'm trying to think of, so if in a football context, is it like the difference between a 4-3 and a 3-4 in Austin is is really good as an edge rusher, although that metaphor doesn't work great because, you know, we don't, that would be more like LeBron um, physically, but just in he's, he can, we know that he could play a three, four, but he's so used to playing mm-hmm. a four, three and the, and his instincts are still in the former system. And then when he yes. gets the ball in places that could actually, he really could have advantages in, he's kind of defaulting or wanting to default back to what he was doing and having success with. And it's not, and that's the part that's not clicking. Yeah, it's the spacing that's different around him. The environment is different around him. I'm so glad you brought this up because I had a soccer question for you, Mike. I've been wanting to ask on the pod for a minute. Is So that 3-4-4-3 type of setup, you're totally on the right track, and this is like the basketball version of that, but also not everybody who listens to the pod is an NFL fan, but I think there's more people familiar familiar with soccer. And so is, See, I knew, I knew is there a the difference? I listeners more soccer than <laughs> I like both, but soccer's better. Go on. A guy like Messi, for example, not a very big guy, but incredibly skilled and speedy and in open space. I guess my question is, are there different alignments in soccer in terms of how you set up your offense that is more geared toward like, oh, I'm going to give Messi open space versus I, I, this is maybe the wrong guy, but like an Mbappe type of guy is this big yeah. physical dude who's also fast, right? But like he can probably operate in more physical type of spaces where, you, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so like Messi, you want to give open space versus an Mbappe who may be more physical. I may be totally off base here, but no, is no, there no, an, a soccer analog to this? It, it's, it's yes and no, right? And uh, classic form. So first of all, so Messi's like, Messi's about 5'7", like 160 maybe. Um, Mbappe, he seems bigger out there, but he's really not that much bigger than me. Like Mbappe, I'm about 5'9", 165. Like in Mbappe okay. is 5'10", 165. But you you see him out there and you're like, hold on. Okay. But he is incredibly explosive. Like we're talking about, you know, 4'440 type. Um, and mm-hmm. he can keep sprinting for a long time and just a complete physical marvel. So he's going to be higher up the field than Messi. But like what you can do in soccer, and this is what the great coaches do, and it, it – it, the metaphor sort of does work for what the where the Lakers are at because you can play two systems within the same 
game just yes. by and just by yes. shifting right just by shifting and so if okay this team is trying to is trying to pin Messi in the middle with a ton of bodies almost like building a wall um but the wall that you would build for Mbappe is a lot different from the wall that you would build for Messi because the for right. Mbappe it's more like Giannis where like if he gets going he is going to get all the way home um, and so you have to have a, you have to pull midfielders back into that that defensive area. Messi is more of a problem where like you can have whatever defense you have out there and he can he can just cut in and out of a space or you can move him 20 feet to the left or 30 yards up the pitch to the right. And then all of a sudden the defense can't do anything. And then you can shift and you can shift a defender into the attack with him. So it's basically the coaches that mm. understand tactics within the context of a game and they have a weapon like that. Um, they, they have two things that the, two different pitches that they can go to. Um, and, and that's like the part I think where the Lakers have are introducing this new element and new yep. style of playing, which is great. And then how do you do that though, while not losing games um, in, in the short term? And, and that's like, that's the whole challenge of the early in the season. You spam your advantages in the at the end of the game when you actually need to get the win and work on the stuff the first three quarters. At least that's what happened last night. We got to wrap up here. I wish we could pull that thread a little bit more. I'd love to talk more soccer, basketball analogies going forward. Uh, Lakers play on Sunday against the Kings, Mike's favorite Western Conference rival. And we will be back on Monday hey. to discuss it. <laughs> just, just saying, we got a lot of riding on this game. Um, and you do. I, and I, I wish... I wish that the Lakers were more ironed out in the way that they were playing uh, going into this game because I'm I'm more taking the yeah. long view that the Kings will be going down. But right now, it's a tricky team to play at home with how well uh, well they're in sync offensively. Very much so, bonus, especially in, bonus and in us not being a, <laughs> a tax bonus at the rim. Can't do anything. Just spam, that's right. Spam, that, we may, bonus, we may need to spam that in the fourth quarter again, Mike. That's right. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll be back. Everybody have a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday. But until then. You've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two, one. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. 
The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.